The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Before we get started with today's episode of Bench with Bubba, let me tell you about one of our sponsors, Draft. If you love fantasy baseball, then you need to try our new favorite app called Draft. It's daily fantasy baseball, but not like the other guys. On Draft, you play live snake drafts with other people just like in your season-long league. Drafts last just for one night. Once you're done drafting, that's it. No trades, no waiver wire. Just set it and forget it. And the best part, you play for cold, hard cash and get paid out the next day. Drafts start from just $1, so there's a draft for everyone. Trust me, I love playing drafts. I play golf. I play NFL, basketball. You can play um, three. Uh, you can play head-to-head, three-man, six-man. There's, there's running leagues. You win one night. It keeps going for four, five, six nights. You can play a dream team. There's all kinds of great ways to play draft, and you can join me today. Just search draft in your app store or, or play right from your computer on draft.com. And when you enter promo code SD Sports. You got to enter the promo code SD Sports. You get a free entry into a real money baseball draft when you make your first deposit, but you have to use the promo code SD Sports. That's right. Playing a real money game for free just for using the promo code SD Sports when you make your first deposit. Just again, search draft in your app store or go to draft.com and enter the promo code SD Sports. Now to this week's edition of Benched with Bubba. everybody to another episode of bench with bubba episode 103 gonna have back a special guest we had before the baseball season began you can find him on twitter at paul the martin and when we last talked to him he was dabbling in the fantasy baseball game but now you can find him on friends with fantasy benefits you can find him on rasball you can find him on the pitchers list and you can find him on prospects 1500 doing a little bit of everything paul martin how we doing man I'm doing okay. Got a nice glass of uh, Cabernet Sauvignon over here, and uh, I finished my prospects of the week piece earlier today. And uh, yeah, I'm ready to talk about some some pinstripes. I think, yeah. 
Yeah, we're going to talk a lot of pinstripes. That's one reason I wanted to, to have you on. I know in the preseason we talked about kind of the bombers and all this, the good stuff we were looking forward to this year. And, you know, sure, some of that's panned out, but we have a lot of new young studs to talk about. And, um, and then some of the farm system, which you were talking about earlier. So we'll hit up a ton of Yankees. We might dabble in a few other things, but we're going to focus on the pinstripes. And I know, you know, some people might not like to hear that because it's Yankee dominance, but hey, it is what it is in the world of baseball and uh, they're getting it done. So before we get into like the players per se, what's your overall thoughts on the year? You know, Stanton was a big deal when we talked last time. What's your thoughts kind of so far? I couldn't be happier with the year so far. Uh, Stanton, yeah, sure, he's underproduced, maybe, but I, you see the tweets that are coming out lately. He's doing basically the same thing he did last year. Um, you know, he's he's never played in a cold climate. He's from California. He played in Miami for eight years. Uh, it, it couldn't be easy for him to transition to playing spring baseball in New York. So, you know, he's coming around. They're doing all this without Gary Sanchez doing much of anything. Greg Bird hasn't done much. Um, it's really impressive to see the kids doing what they are. Anduar, obviously, Glaber Torres, but then everyone else is performing. Aaron Judge is back up to MVP levels if Mike Trout didn't exist. And uh, yeah, everyone else is rocking and rolling. The, the pitching still leaves some to be desired, but we'll talk about some of these young arms that I'm excited about today, I'm sure. Yeah, let's lead into it. Uh, we know you got Severino, who's just a man amongst boys these days, and to some, he's still a boy. Um, but let's he's talk about the youngest pitcher, I think, or close to it. Like... Yeah, that's what's crazy about it. When you really want to break it down, he's their ace, but he's like the youngster of the group. So yeah. that kind of tells you how good things are going in New York. But let's talk Domingo Herman. This is a guy that it seems like he's got the swinging strike stuff everybody talks about. Things are phenomenal. And then he has like starts like the other day where you remember he's still young. He's still really raw. Um, just kind of give us a synopsis of what you guys are seeing and, you know, in your neck of the woods and what your kind of thoughts are on Domingo. I really love Domingo Herman. I think that basically all you have to do is watch a few fastballs from this kid and just it's so nasty. He throws like 95, 96 and everything bends. Nothing can be easy to hit, which is so weird as to why he's pitching so poorly some of these starts it doesn't really make too much sense to me everything that I see when I watch him I'm just like you know this kid is going to dominate the curve is nasty the four seamer everything that he has is 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 really filthy but he just has to put it together it's like you know people are throwing the comp out there right now and we might as well just get it over with at, at the beginning of the podcast but the Michael Pineda name is being floated around mm. with Domingo Herman and it's very very early in the timeline to be throwing those kinds of comps out but it does sort of make sense um for whatever reason his pitches seem easy to mash uh, sometimes i guess when he just when he misses when he hangs a change up or or really whatever he hangs, because he does have pitches that will hang in the zone. Those get mashed, and that is a Pineda syndrome. So hopefully he can get that um, get that tailored, I, I suppose. I don't know. I can't think of the word, I guess. But uh, he, he's just so interesting. I, I, I love him personally. I love watching his starts. Um, he's the kind of guy that you really have to go out there and watch in order to get why he's so good. Yeah, most definitely. And if uh, people want to imagine the Pineda you know, idea, just go look at his game logs. And once you said that, I, I it stood out like a sore thumb. You know, last start three innings, pitch six or two uh, strikeouts. But then he goes six or seven innings in almost every start. Most starts he had a stretch of giving up three or four. 
but he'd strike out seven or more in all those starts. So he was dominant, yep. yet giving up a little, and he gives up almost a home run a game. That's it's pretty into a T. It's it's pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, well, it's not really, but <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, but, I mean the, was, the comparison. Yeah, but Pineda was always a guy that you expected to pitch better than you know he was. So I guess in a way, it's not that bad as long as he can actually do it in the way that Pineda could never. Yeah, and you look at his, you know, for those that do the FIP, XFIP, everyone's got their preference. You know, he's got an ERA of 5-4, but a FIP of 4-2-1 and an XFIP of 3-6-1. So you'd imagine there's going to be some some regression coming his direction, and uh, we'll see how it pans out. Uh, let's talk about a guy we were, we were briefly talking about before the podcast started, and we both agreed we, he just kind of came out of nowhere. And, you know, a lot of us are – some say we're being lazy. I think it's just fun. We call him Joey Lasagna. But um, Jonathan Loisiga, or Loisiga, or I, I still probably can't pronounce. I'm better off saying lasagna. Um, <laughs> yeah, better off. He's yeah, dealing absolutely. against. The, yeah, he's dealing at the Phillies as we speak right now. He had one really good start, one rough start. What is going on with this guy? Who is Johnny Johnny L? Johnny Lasagna. Yeah, he's uh, he did come off. Uh, I don't know where he came from. I swear he went from high A to double A this year. Pitched 45 innings. That was it. And uh, they were like, you know what? He's coming up. That, for whatever reason, they they decided to call him up over Justice Sheffield, over um, over Ch- uh, Chance Adams, over some of these other names that probably could have come up. But it, it, you know, the the numbers were there. I suppose he's got a really good strikeout rate and a really good walk rate in the minors. Today, he kind of showed that off a little bit more. Only eight or only one walk today. He hasn't been too good with the control and command ever since he came up, but today was a little bit different. And I I don't even know. He wasn't on my radar as a Yankees fan too much. Uh, I, you know, he had n- good numbers in the past, but nothing too crazy. He was a 23-year-old starting off at high A this year. So that's not really something that you're looking towards for someone that's coming up immediately. Uh, it's not really someone that you're looking towards as far as like top prospects go either, because 23-year-olds at high A who have been playing uh, since 2013, who have been in the league since they were 18, is kind of strange to see. But he has had a ton of injuries in the past, which is why kind of, I guess, he he didn't really pitch again until 2017. He kind of, he pitched in 2013 for, for the Giants, then he came back with the Yankees in 2016, and that was that was just where he started. And it, it, it's just kind of incredible to see him coming out of nowhere. He's very athletic. Like I was telling you before the podcast, I love seeing pitchers with, uh, you know, strong, sh- broad shoulders. He's got a thick core. He's got nice legs like he 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 can repeat his delivery. And it's a very athletic delivery. He gets a lot of movement on his fastball. He gets a lot of movement on his secondary pitches. So, um, yeah, guy that was way off the radar, but should easily be on people's radars now, just based on what he's been doing in the big leagues after only pitching 25 innings um, above high A. He's like the Juan Soto of pitchers, except five years older. Yeah, it's crazy when you think of older guys like that in in, in low A or high A. You don't you don't really think too much of it. You're like, okay, he's a journeyman and time's up pretty soon. But uh, when you mention all the injuries and all that good stuff, there definitely is some. Somewhere to go with this. When you're looking at the Yankees staff, you know, you got Sonny Gray and CeCe to, to round it out with Severino. And there's been some injuries here and there. There's Justice Sheffield kind of waiting in the wings, Chance Adams uh, there as well. What do you see farther down in the system? You know, some international guys or some, some recent draftees that might work on the pitching side of things. 
As far as the pitching side of things go, I think the biggest name that's out there right now is uh, Luis Medina. He's just got a crazy fastball. He can't really command anything as far as right now goes. But the upside is so clear with him. Uh, he, uh, I know, um, ooh, I'm going to mess this up. I think it was Kylie McDaniel who was kind of pumping him up before the season as someone to really watch this year. And I've just been trying to get as much information on him as possible. I know that um, I know uh, Jason Waddell is down there getting some looks at him. And that's always a great source out on Twitter if you want to go get some more information on some of these young guys. Um, I did have a couple guys win prospect of the week for the Yankees. Garrett Whitlock, who's a young right-handed pitcher with a lot of deception in his delivery. Another guy that Jason Waddell really likes and uh, has talked about on Twitter a lot. This week, he uh, pitched for the Tampa Tarpons, and he had a seven-inning outing. Had 11 strikeouts, only one walk, three hits. I mean, he's kind of been doing this all year, and he's another one that's been, that was really off the radar. On Prospects 1500, we didn't even have him in the top 50. A 6'5 right-hander, so he's got some size to him and really has performed. That That's about it. He's thrown 70 innings this year. He had a 1.13 ERA in A ball. They moved him up, and he hasn't been phased. He has a 1.8 ERA in high A, and he's just completely dominating. Um, another guy that's kind of off the radar is a guy named Ronzi. Ro- this is going to be a tough one. Ronzi Contreras, Roanzi Contreras. I'm not really sure how you say his name, but he has a 38.6% strikeout rate in uh, short season A ball. It's only 11 innings, but uh, he's been absolutely dominant in the beginning of his career for the Yankees. Uh, he had a couple stints in rookie ball last year. He didn't really do too, too much, but this year he's coming out and he's blazing. Like he's another young, small, like shorter international prospect but he is thick he has those broad shoulders he has a nice athletic core he has a violent delivery with a lot of intent and I like to see that you know maybe violent isn't the right word but he has a lot of intent in his delivery which only shows that he's going to throw for some more velocity as he grows older and he any any ages um with his body right now he's already up to like 93 94 so that's pretty solid for an 18 year old uh he had 11 innings pitched over like so far, the season has 11 innings pitched, 17 strikeouts, three walks, and only two earned runs. So that's another guy to keep on your uh, deep dynasty league list, I suppose. Uh, there's just so many names. Like you could, the Yankees have one of the most exciting international just classes as far as their short season ball goes, as far as their rookie ball goes, and um, they're a team that you really want to pay attention to when you're scooping those, you know baseball reference game logs for the past week and you're trying to filter out who's who's really performing and who's not i'd be i'd be looking for those uh for those yankees prospects down there so you're telling me the rich get richer is what what you're saying basically yeah the rich are getting very very much richer i mean if these guys pan out but that's the thing these guys like i said i just mentioned that last arm and he's 18 years old medina is a long way to the young pitcher uh whitlock is uh, 22 years old in high A. So you kind of have both sides of the spectrum there where one of them is a little bit older, probably should be higher than he is right now. But a lot of these other guys are really young and performing where they're at, which is always good to see. Do you think we see like a Justice Sheffield or a Chance Adams make an impact this year? I hope so. I really think that either one of them can come up and perform at the big league level. As, as I mean, we're seeing Johnny Lasagna go at him right now. Uh, he, yeah. he did strand two runners in a six. So that's kind of nerve wracking for me, but I mean, he had a pretty star studded 
uh, game today. And I don't know, Chance Adams is not really the kind of guy I would be looking for as far as fantasy goes. But Justice Sheffield definitely has that strikeout upside. He's got some, you know, funky mechanics from the left side that could get a lot of left-handed batters out as far as, you know, with the confusion. And if he can neutralize right-handers, I mean, we, we could see him. He should at least replace Chase and Shreve. No, like, <laughs> can yeah, we use him I'm as a you. specialist for now? I, that's all I'm asking. I like it. I like it. Let's go to some of the bats on this just beastly squad. You already mentioned Giancarlo figuring things out. He's had a much better June. Uh, Aaron Judge is picking up right where he left off, making a lot of haters pretty angry, uh, to tell you the truth. DD's doing DD things off and on. Gary Sanchez goes to the DL. That sucks. But let's talk Glaber Torres. Big piece in that Chapman deal a few years ago. Tommy John surgery last year. He's finally here, and he is announcing himself with his authority. Uh, with a lot of power, lots and lots of power. Some didn't think it'd be this much, but I know I, myself and many others have talked about, there's a lot of these prospects now. That power has just gotten, it could be the baseballs or a lot of things in the pros from the minors. They just kind of just notch it up to these guys are really, really producing. But what is your thoughts on a guy, a guy like Gleyber Torres? What, what's the, the roof for this guy, the ceiling? Oh, man, the the ceiling for this guy is kind of insane. It, it, right now, it reminds me of Francisco Lindor almost in a way, or, or maybe like a Jose Ramirez, either one of those Cleveland Indians infield prospects. Um, honestly, Miguel Anduar, too. We can lump him in there because neither of these guys did we really think would hit for too, too much power. I know Anduar maybe had a little bit more uh, as far as his minor league stats goes, but both of these guys were kind of, you know, they were dampered as far as their power upside goes in, in prospect world. And uh, right now, the most impressive part for me with Glaber is his fly ball increase. He's hitting 43% fly balls, which is kind of huge as far as his past goes. And uh, whether the balls are helping him in the major leagues or not, he's definitely made some sort of change along the way to hit for more power. And uh, I, you, you know, like you said, these these prospects are coming up and they're hitting for more power. So it's it's almost like, why are we even predicting these guys to not hit for power anymore? You know, it's like we should at least give them a little bit of a major league bump at this point. And Torres is doing a little bit more of a bump than than I, I would predict even because I, I thought that he was going to have a little bit more power. But 14 home runs in his first 54 games is pretty insane. Uh, he's not really showing any signs of weakness either. I mean, the strikeout rate is 25%, but when you watch him play and you see some of the adjustments that he makes mid-swing, I mean, this guy can see a curveball, wait for it to break, and then change his entire swing. There's clips out there on Twitter of him actually doing it, and it's kind of, it's so fun to watch. And I ask myself, like, if the Cubs lost that Game 7 in extra innings, what would the narrative be of Theo Epstein trading Glaber Torres and Eloy Jimenez? Like that, that is a lot to give up. Yeah, like you said, like you said, oh man, I can only imagine that narrative stream. I'm glad we don't have to worry about it. I'm glad you know we can squash the the, the all that the you know the, the hundred years is over, the curse, all that stuff. Because that is a great point. Uh, I thought when the Yankees made that move, it was genius because then they went and signed Chapman back anyways. Uh, the Eloy Jimenez. You know, Quintana really hasn't panned out to what you would – for what they gave up, it hasn't quite worked, obviously. So, um, yeah, it better have worked, and thank goodness it did for the Cubs. When you're looking at Torres, it's been amazing. You mentioned Miguel Anjohar. He's He is having an outstanding season also. You know, he's got 25-plus doubles now. He's hitting with power. 
playing it, playing a pretty decent third base, and he gets so overlooked by Gleyber Torres. Uh, kind of, you mentioned a little bit on Andujar, but is this like a, the left side of the infield we're going to see for you know ten more years in New York, or is this kind of just for now? And then you know the Yankees will do Yankees things and, and pay for someone later. No, I th- think so. I mean, Andujar. The thing with Andujar is he's always had a really strong uh, contact, the hit tool. Basically, is is he you know. You know, he doesn't strike out too much. He doesn't walk too much, but he can con- he can make a ton of contact. And he's showing that in the big leagues right now. I mean, he has an 82% contact rate. And when you see some of the balls that he swings at, you're like, how in the hell does he make contact 82% of the time? Even when you see some of these home runs that he hits, they're off the ground. Like, I don't want to put the comp on him, but like Vlad Guerrero comes to mind when I see some of these home runs go out because it's not like he's taking it. Well, and that's not even to say that he's going to be a hall of famer, this or that, but just based on some of these curveballs that he takes off the ground to go 400 feet, it, it's pretty insane. I've never, I haven't really seen too many rookies be able to do that. I mean, sure. Cody Bellinger has that, you know, really, really deep uppercut swing and he was able to take some of those low pitches out, but you know, to see a rookie come up, in his first, basically his first real taste of the majors and swing at some of those bad pitches and really just take them, just, just take them anywhere he wants, really to the opposite field, to, to the pull side. I mean, he's just a hitter. And I think that we underrated his third base talent just a little bit. I mean, he's not a gold glover. He's not Matt Chapman, but he can survive at third base. And I think that, yeah, him and Torres should definitely be, well, Torres is still on the right side, I guess, but I don't think Didi is going to be a long-term guy for the Yankees, and I really do think that Torres is their future second baseman. I think Anduar is at least their third baseman until that contract runs up, and I don't see any reason for him not to be. He had you know, 16 home runs last year. He had 12 home runs the year before, um, and he's just steadily progressed throughout the minors, and I know progression isn't linear, but sometimes when you see it and it's happening right in front of you, you can't deny it. Yeah. So you think Torres will stay at second base? He won't move with the shortstop when Didi gets out of the way? Yeah, I think so. I think he's he's a really good fielder. I think sometimes he's really well, yeah. Yeah, it's almost like a, it's almost like a Odabel Herrera where where he's like a really good fielder, but sometimes his head is just like not fully in the game. I think and like he does make no. some really silly plays out there, but. Uh, some of the, he, he has made some web gems that like make you forget about the rest of it. Let's talk about a first baseman. You guys have that people would like to forget about many DL stints, but we're talking Greg bird, who we know has a beautiful swing when he's in the zone, he can rake problem is he has to be on the field long enough to get in the zone. What are we thinking with Greg bird? Is this starting to, is word starting to get out that maybe this is just a thing with him. He's going to be injury prone or, are they hoping, you know, he can finally be that first baseman? No, I think he's going to be the first baseman as far as this year goes. I mean, yeah, Brandon Drury's down there raking, but I think that we could easily get rid of Neil Walker at some point just in order to get Brandon Drury back on the roster, back raking for the Yankees instead of the Scranton, Wilkes-Bear, whatever. Um, but Greg Bird is just kind of doing Greg Bird things. He's striking out a lot. He's walking. He's hitting home runs. It's just basically he needs to get started I mean he has 25 games this year he had 48 games last year like he has to have a little bit of time to get used to playing again and you know I I think Yankees fans are not really the best at giving some leeway to a player and that's kind of tough on Greg Bird right now and hopefully he can get through that 
But yeah, I'm not too worried about, you know, the first, it's not even a hundred plate appearances yet. He he has six doubles. He has three home runs. So the power is there. The ISO is still over 200. So that's exactly what you want to see. Um, as long as he's getting on base and he's almost doing that at a 300 clip, even though he's hitting 190. So that's kind of nice to see. Um, yeah, I'm just, I'm just waiting for him to get started. Really. I don't think there's any reason for them not to play him right now. They're winning, even though he's struggling, they were winning with Gary Sanchez struggling. So I think he is the first baseman for this year. I don't think really, if you have Greg bird on fantasy rosters, you have to worry about that. Just maybe try to find someone who's hot right now to slide him into your corner infield spot until bird gets hot last guy i'm gonna ask you about before we let you go deeper into this system uh clint frazier he's got a cup of coffee probably as often as i go to starbucks for my morning coffee almost daily but um they, they just won't let him stick there's not a spot for him i know we talked about all the outfielders they have but what are they gonna do with him is he gonna be a trade piece are they gonna finally give him a role because i know boone came out saying you know this time that he's up he's gonna really get a shot what's the deal with them and not liking Clint Frazier, it feels like. <laughs> I don't think they dislike uh, Clint oh, Frazier. No, no. <laughs> just no, nowhere for him. There's no, there's no room for him. Exactly. And, you know, and it really sucks when you see him hit a ball to where they should send Chase and Shreve and it gets caught by the shortstop. How does that make any sense? Thanks a lot, Tampa Bay. Uh, <laughs> my friend started a, started a Yankee, like a, you know, like Astros takes on Twitter, like how they <laughs> like just bash everyone. So my friend started a Yankees takes page and he started a GoFundMe to uh, to replace the uh, Tropicana field so we can oh, get Jesus. rid of those rafters. So uh, everyone awesome. go out there and <laughs> go search that up. I retweeted it on my Twitter at Paul the Martin. Go go down. Go uh, donate to that because we all know we need it. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. You know, a lot of people would probably say they should trade Clint Frazier. He's rotting. He's do- but I mean, he's still only 23 He's performing. He's hitting really well this year, actually. He's hitting 312 in AAA and then, you know, 24 plate appearances in the majors and he's hitting 350, which isn't too bad. Should have a home run there, but, you know, we'll give it to him, I guess. But, you know, what is there to say? There's just no room for Clint Frazier and it sucks because he's he's playing really well after coming back from that tough concussion. And uh, yeah, it's just... I would love to see I would love to see him up there, but that's that's hoping for injury and that's that's not nice. What are some of the uh kind of lower prospects? We don't really know about some international guys in the pitching front that uh you've been keeping an eye on this year. Well, there was definitely some of those pitchers that I uh that I mentioned earlier, Luis Medina, uh Garrett Whitlock. He's not in sorry, right sorry, there. sorry. I'm in the bats, I screwed up there. You already gave us the pitchers. What were some of the bats you were talking about? Oh, some of the bats. Oh, yeah, man. They have some they have some crazy bats down there. I mean, one guy right now who's really performing is uh, Anthony Garcia. And this might be a guy that's off the radar just a little bit. I know a lot of people know uh, Ryan Fersolanas, who is one of their top uh, top international prospect signings from last year. Uh, you know, he's he's just super, super athletic outfielder. Um, really, really high upside, really young and could turn into, could turn into anything. I mean, he could turn, he could turn into a a top 50 prospect by the end of the year. If he performs or maybe not top 50 by the end of the year, but top 50 by next year. Absolutely. Just based on the upside. They also signed a guy, Roberto Chirinos last year, who's really uh, interesting. Um, This is a guy who 
who was able to play catcher, shortstop, center fielder. He was just a really athletic kind of guy. He's uh, listed as shortstop on fan graphs, but I believe he's catching right now. And uh, he's absolutely raking. He's hitting uh, 385 over his first four games in uh, in the league that he's playing in now. And uh, really just showing off. And Anthony Garcia, this guy, is a switch hitter. He's like six foot seven, 230. Jeez. I've seen a lot of different listings for this guy, but my favorite was like a six seven, 237 listing. And <laughs> that was pretty sweet. Um, the dude has two home runs already in his first four games. He's only 17 years old. Uh, he's just absolutely insane, mashing right now. And I, these, these guys, man, I, man. Some of these young guys that they have down there, they, I mean, they signed four of the top. I think they signed four of the top 25 international prospects last year. So even if I can't get to all of these names right now, I would be going to look them up if you can find a nice list somewhere because there is a ton of them. That is great to hear. Uh, we know last year, come trade deadline, they traded for Sonny Gray. Not quite working out as planned, given Dustin Fowler, Jorge Mateo, and James Caprillion haven't done a ton for the A's, but on paper, Sonny Gray hasn't panned out, just to be real about it. Um, <laughs> you've already heard all the stories about Jacob DeGrom to the Yankees, and we know the Yankees are going to be active or want to be active. What do you think the Yankees try to go for? If you had to play GM for a day, what do you think they go for? Well, if I had to play GM for a day, I mean, I would try to just go for the – see – it's tough because you want to go for the most controllable pitcher, but that was Sonny Gray last year, and that didn't really work out, did it? So, I mean, I, I, I wouldn't, I, I just wouldn't trying, I wouldn't be trying to overpay. I would be trying to see what these young guys could give me: Domingo Herman, Johnny Lasagna, Chance Adams, Justice Sheffield, uh, even like Domingo Acevedo, if it comes to it. Any of these guys uh, sh- should should get a chance. I mean, if Johnny Lasagna is pitching like eighty innings, and then like literally. His entire professional sample is about 80 innings. I don't even think he reached 100 innings in the minors at all. And uh, he's already in the majors. So, I mean, Garrett Whitlock could could come up for the Yankees. Any of these guys could come up for the Yankees at this point. Um, so I would just be trying to get someone cheap. I'm, I, you know, I, I never really know who's out there. I don't think really anyone knows who's being dangled on the trade market. So, at this point, it could be anyone, maybe like a, I don't know, maybe like a, maybe one of the Giants pitchers or, or you know, someone obviously going to be from a team that's trying to sell, but I wouldn't be trying to do anything extreme. I think Sonny Gray, yeah, he hasn't been too great, but he has had starts where you're like, damn, there, it's still there. It's still there. And if only he could be consistent with it this year, um, you know, hoping it's, it's just changes that he's making. And by the time we reach the playoff, he's a different pitcher um but yeah like you mentioned Jorge Mateo hasn't been really good at all for the athletics uh Caprillion got another surgery and uh Dustin Fowler's been okay so it's not like they really lost out on the trade especially if Sonny Gray turns it around and I mean he still has what another two years to do so right I think he has two more years with the Yankees so uh a lot of time for him to for him to turn this around and you know, looking at XFIP and FIP again, he is pitching a little bit better. Or, well, he's pitching worse than he should if we're if we're yes. looking at the other stats. Um, but yeah, sometimes that's not too believable. The walk rate is is up this year, so that's never good. But yeah, you know he he's he's okay. I think he's going to be okay. He's just he's Sunny Gray. That's kind of how he is. He's he's not very consistent. 
Well, like you said, the last month or so, he's been better. He had a kind of a rough start his last time out over the weekend. But prior to that, he, he did pitch pretty well. And if you just let him slide into like the third or the fourth man in that rotation, I don't expect him to be the ace that I think some thought he could be because that's why they traded for him and gave up three prospects and all that good stuff. If you just let him settle in in the middle of that rotation, he can be pretty good. He'll give you quality starts, um, and I think it'll work out just fine. So it'll be interesting to see if he keeps developing on that and how that plays out. And on the A side, I'm curious to see, you know, if Caprillion ever gets healthy, we know what that arm was at one time and Mateo was supposed to be this guy. And then Fowler, if that works out ever, it could be really interesting to see how the trade evens out. But uh, time will tell, as they say in the prospect game, as you well know, Uh, let's talk about what kind of transition here into the MLB draft and some things you've been looking at with some of these, these youngsters. Let's start with the Yankees. Number uh, one draft pick, Anthony Siegler, out of Carterville High School in Georgia, this catcher who, if for some people don't know who he is, he's uh, ambidextrous, I believe is the word. He can yes. catch and throw with both Amphibious. hands. He, yes. he switch hits. <laughs> he does it all, and he's a catcher that does this, which is just bananas. Uh, what do you got on this uh, this catcher from Georgia? Yeah, I mean, everyone is going to love that story that he's a switch-hitting, switch-pitching catcher, uh, but you know what? at the end of the day, he just has a really, really sweet swing. It's, it's, it is one of my favorite swings out of the draft. I, I will say like, there are a lot of college bats that had some good swings. You know, Alec Baum has a really nice one, Jonathan India. Um, but as far as high school guys go, I think that this is one that can really just come into the league and make a ton of contact, almost kind of like Royce Lewis. Like he might strike out a little bit. He might not walk as much as you want, but he's just going to be able to hit the ball. And some of the video that you see of him in high school, this dude has swagger. Like that's not something that I really like to get into, but sometimes well, look at that, look at that suit. He wore to the draft. That, oh, that didn't look like a high school kid. No, <laughs> you know what? And my favorite part about that is he picked that out the day of he, oh, he so, you know, this dude has something he's, he's hiding it because he's going to be good for New York. Cause this dude, if he can pick out a suit like that in one day and just get it laced up, like, nah, we're good. But either way, I mean, there's one of my favorite videos is him hitting a home run in high school and he just pimps the bat flip, like something serious. Like it was, re- it was a spectacular bat flip. And that was, that made me a fan personally. I love seeing a kid that has you know, a little bit of swagger, but also will refer to someone as sir in an interview. And, uh, you know, whether you want to get into all of those intangibles or not, that's that's kind of what I like to look at, because other than that, what do you have? You have some high school stats. You have a few YouTube videos of him swinging. And, you know, other than that, I've never seen him play. I, you know, I've, I have no idea what this kid's game is. I, I, you know, I, I have to watch him. So for right now, from what I know of him, he's he's awesome. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, it seems pretty pretty sweet. We take this brief break from Bench with Bubba to talk to you about RotoWare. It's one of the best quality shirts in the industry. When I mean industry, all the clothing industry, the fantasy sports industry, because people are rocking it, they're loving it. You're seeing it in a lot of big outlets now. That no other brand can compete with RotoWare in terms of quality. They're premium blend fabric, super soft, comfortable, athletic fit shirts. They specialize with a special special printing process. The design is part of the shirt. Literally, it is, it is dyed and bleached into the fabric. 
no thick ink. There's over 30 different designs right now. It's just crazy all the stuff they have coming out, and there's more and more stu- stuff every time you turn your head. They have fantasy football, baseball, hockey, basketball, some really cool DFS ones, but everything's great. They have men's, women's, and kids. Check them all out. Go to rotoware.com, R-O-T-O-W-E-A-R.com. Check them out on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, at Rotoware. But the cool part, guys, if you use the promo code DGENS, D-E-G-E-N-S, you get 20% off your order. Again, promo code DGENS, D-E-G-E-N-S. Check their site out. Check them Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. They're always giving away free shirts. And then when you go to purchase the ones you want for you, your loved ones, your friends, your family, whatever, use promo code DGENS, D-E-G-E-N-S, for 20% off your order. Now back to this week's episode of Bench with Bubba. Now we'll kind of pick and choose some of these uh, draft picks here. One guy you're talking about in our, our little messaging back and forth, and I've seen his name come across the MLB pipeline Twitter feed over and over and over again. It's as if the Astros didn't need another just awesome prospect. They go and draft Seth Beer out of Clemson. And, and before last season, everyone thought this guy was going to be a beast, power-hungry, just monster. Kind of had a, a down year to his standards. And like you said earlier when we were talking that people are worried about his power. Well, I think he's gone deep three times over the weekend and, what, four times already this rookie ball. Uh, what do you have on Seth Beer? Yeah, I, I think that the – see, a lot of people did question the power because there was no Cape Cod stats. And it's like, are we that reliant on those wood bat stats for these college players? It's kind of insane how much pull that those stats have right now. Um, and that was basically it. I think the Astros got a complete steal with this guy. I mean, he was a guy that people were talking about early coming out of high school really as like a top draft pick. He was a top draft pick for years, basically until this year. And yeah, I think people got bored. I think he got bored of college. I think he was like, okay, this is my third year. I'm finally done. I can finally be drafted. And you know, he, he kind of, he's, I don't understand. He still had 22 home runs. I don't see really why he was so shunned basically by the prospect world and he was taken 28th overall which was an absolute steal and if it was just because of those cape cod stats then i mean we're seeing him do some stuff with a wood bat right now and it's pretty impressive and he's still taking the walks and he's still not really striking out um yeah man like you said as if they didn't need another powerful prospect i this is a guy who can move extremely quickly through the prospect ranks too. He's starting off at short season ball. Like you said, already has four home runs on the season, hitting 333, has a 421 OBP. He was on base 50% of the time last week. So he's improving that. Um, man, it, I mean, he could he could easily be at double A by the end of the year. And and I don't see a situation where he's not just this good. I, I a lot I've also heard the AJ Reed comp on him. And I think that that's just a, a lazy comp basically because he went to the Astros. But uh you know, Reese Hoskins looked a lot like AJ Reed too until he didn't. And uh that's kind of you know what I'll say about that. Boom. <laughs> Paul Martin drops the mic. No, um, that, that's a great way to put it. Uh, we look higher up in the draft. Jared Kalinick uh, out of Wisconsin and high school in Wisconsin by the Mets. He's already off to a, a pretty hot start. You know, Alec Baum had a good first uh, few games at his lower ball. Nick Madrigal, for crying out loud, still in the College World Series, trying to win a crown for Oregon State. There's a lot of guys to like in this top 10 range. I'm going to wait for pick nine to talk about him separately in a minute with you. But, um, you know, you mentioned Jonathan India's sweet, sweet swing. 
so much to like up here. Well, what looks kind of your takeaway from a, maybe who are your favorites in the top 10 or so? Yeah, I think as far as uh, as far as fantasy prospects go, my two favorite have to be India and Bomb, just because they're they're almost major league ready bats. They're they're very polished. They have power swings. Um, India went to the Cincinnati Reds, Bomb to the Philadelphia Phillies, so they're both going to have some good parks to play in. They both have some pretty good development systems as well. So I'm t- it was tough. I mean. I know you know Barry Baker, and he asked me today, he has the third pick in his 13 Dynasty League, who do you take? You take Baum or do you take India if they're there? And I couldn't decide. Um, I know that, you know, India is one of Ralph Lifshitz's boys, and he loves India, and I think that he's taking Baum over India. I don't want to put words in his mouth, but I did see that floating around Twitter today, and uh, I think I would do the same, but they're so close. As far as high school bats go, Outside of Anthony Siegler, of course, because, you know, that's my boy. Uh, Jared (laughs) Kelenic is unreal. I think that he's, you know, a lot of people say that he's Mickey Moniak. He has the athleticism. He has the hit tool. um, But it's all about will he make it work in professional game. And I think he's a little bit more athletic than Mickey Moniak. I think that he's, uh, you know, a little bit more muscular. Moniak was really skinny coming out of high school. He had a lot of growing to do. And Kalanick is just a dude. He plays center field like I've I mean, I've heard really ridiculous comps. I've heard like Christian Pash comps and uh, or Christian Pache, however, however you say his name. But I've also heard that he's like Andrew Jones with the glove. So I don't want to put that much of a comp on Kalanick when I haven't seen him play that much. But if he's playing center field like that, you know, he's going to be able to come up to the big leagues pretty quickly because, you know, anyone who could play defense like that is going to get a shot. And the Mets don't really have too many high upside guys. They have Andres Jimenez, who is really, really raking right now, showing all of that ceiling that you want to see from him. But other than that, I mean, Peter Alonzo and yeah, yeah, that's about it. I mean, (laughs) they have a couple good arms within there, but Jared Kelenic was a great draft pick for them. It starts them off with some upside. They have a high school guy that they can work with, and he's a pretty high floor upside or a high high floor high school guy, which is hard to say. He's left-handed, which, you know, is just is really what you want. He's still only 18, and yeah, I, I love that pick. I thought that he could have easily went in the top five. Um, and oh. And earlier on in the season, I was even thinking that maybe he could be up there with, you know, the one, one, one discussion, but you know, Mize kind of took that over after a while. And a lot of times those high school guys kind of fall down the list. Um, so, so yeah, Kalanick is definitely a huge talent and I think the Mets got a really good steal with him. And I think that's a good point that when you mentioned Mickey Monia, cause I've heard that comparison a ton and it might not end up being the same player, but the reason I think it's a good comp for now is Moniac struggled out of high school in his first little run playing pro ball, but now he's starting to pick up the pace. He's starting to look a little better, and he's starting to swing the bat a little more consistently. And um, you got to remember these kids are still coming out of high school and might not all transition at the same pace. Um, also, you know, you, you forgot to leave a prospect that they have blocking him named Tim Tebow. So we have oh, to worry right, about right. that in the Mets. In the yeah. Oh, they that, that, Tim Tebow to a, center field finally, huh? I wish they moved him to, to back to the football field. Um, let's you, talk uh, about the yellow. Do you really want to see Tim Tebow play football again? Because that, that wasn't just, that fun either. I just don't want to see him play baseball and take the lineup spots for guys that have actually 
played their whole life for. That's a whole other story for another day. Uh, if he if he proves me wrong, he proves me wrong. But that's just my stance on it. Um, Kyler Murray. I've asked everybody I've talked to the draft about. It's it's pretty much like a dead beaten like a dead horse by now. But you know the, he's going to be starting at Oklahoma, starting quarterback this year. The A's and him already have a deal in place for four point six six million dollars. Um, and he's going to come play for them once he's done at Oklahoma. What are your thoughts on that? Because uh, I'm not a fan. Oh, man, I want to be the high guy on Kyler Murray. I really do. And it's tough right now because there's not he's not a top. He wasn't a top 10 pick. Uh, he wasn't uh, just to be honest, like he didn't really put up spectacular numbers in his last year at Oklahoma. He is very athletic. He is very fast. Um you know, we, we know that we see the football clips of him. He outruns everyone. So it's, 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 he has, he has great speed. Um, <clears throat> I'm guessing that they're hoping that he, he, he runs into some more power. Maybe they think that this is, you know, a restart on a Jorge Mateo type of prospect, which is, you know, a, a good bet. Jorge Mateo is still young, but you know, you do want to hedge that bet a little bit because you did trade a lot for him. And, you know, I, uh, I want to be, like I said, I want to be the high guy on him, but I just don't see it. I think maybe if you, honestly, if you flip the Seth Beer and Kyler Murray picks, I wouldn't have been that shocked. I think if, you know, if Seth, if someone like that went in the top 10 to a team like Oakland, who is always trying to find that floor and find someone who can come up and perform cheaply for the major leagues, I think that that's what they want. I think that they, they're envisioning Kyler Murray being a superstar for them for like, uh, uh, you know, four years before someone else pays them, you know, $200 million, which is okay because there wasn't too many guys that could be superstars at that rank. But nine was just, nine was high. Nine was very high for, for him. And I, I don't really see it, but I do, if that makes any sense. No, I get it. And that's kind of a, a similar thought process in a way is the kid is super talented. It took him a while to develop, but that could have been because he took so much time off to play football. And the talent level is freakishly good, and that's where it makes sense. The part where it doesn't make sense is A, he's going to play football, and B, he really hasn't proven it all completely yet, so you would have thought maybe lower down he could take the gamble type thing. Kind of where you're going with that? Yeah. And like, and another thing is like the big 12, isn't the greatest division in NCAA. It's not really like the sec. It's not like the ACC. Yeah. It's nothing too crazy. So, and in the Cape Cod league, he was bad. Like, and I, and we were just talking about the Seth beer and I don't rely on those numbers too, too heavily though. They are useful in some cases. And he struck out 21 times in 16 games, had only three walks. Uh, he had one home run, you know, he wasn't very good in the Cape Cod league. And that was when he was 19. So he did play a full year after that. And maybe he did make some improvements in his game, but, uh, I mean, his first year in Oklahoma was not good either. He had, he hit 122 in 27 games. Uh, he had no home runs and that's, you know, not really the dominance that you want out of a top 10 pick. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, if you have to dig down in the draft, uh, you can go deep, you can go short, wherever you like. What are a couple maybe fantasy-relevant names for people to keep in mind uh, come next Dynasty draft time? Ooh, that is a really good question. I think that one of my favorite uh, names that was maybe a little bit deeper in the draft but is definitely on people's radars, it's Mike Ciani. And he was uh, drafted in the fourth round by the by the Reds. This is a guy who's... <laughs> in the same ilk as uh, Jared Kelenic. He is a center fielder through and through. 
He throws left, bats left. Um, he was drafted by the Cincinnati Reds and signed by them. So that was a that was a question was will he sign and he was signed which is very exciting as far as fantasy goes because this is a dude. If you want to go look at a physical specimen, go search up Mike Ciani on YouTube. Whatever you see him listed at is not correct. Uh, he is a lot bigger than whatever he, he's listed at 180 on the baseball cube. If it is 180, it's pure muscle because this dude is 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 legit. Um, left-handed bat and there might be some holes in the swing as he is very young but the reds do something with these high upside guys and i really like the way that they treat their bats um and they have a lot of these guys that are high upside that have no floor they they could easily flame out when they hit the professional ball league but they make it and for some reason the reds have a way of teaching these guys how to hit and i'm really excited about that for mike siani Nice. I like that. Yeah, the, the Reds did pretty darn good when yeah. it comes to the draft, and they keep this rebuild starting to slowly come together here. Um, with your work over at Prospects 1500, you got a lot of stuff you're doing. Like you said, you finished up your piece earlier tonight, and uh, you, you write one with Scott Green, weekly guys to watch, and like Kyle Tucker is one of Scott's guys, and he just crushed it this past week. Um, what are some guys that you've really been kind of honing in on the last few weeks that – you see kind of making that jump from, you know, maybe it was okay to start the year to really getting it in now. Well, this week was perfect uh, as far as the article goes for this question, just because there was a lot of faces that came back to the, to the list this week. One of them was Brandon Lowe. Uh, he's the, well, on Prospects 1500, we have him listed as the Tampa Bay Rays number 15 prospect. And they have all of the lows. They have every single low brother in the Rays system. So it's kind of interesting to see which of the lows is performing the best. And this week it was Brandon. Uh, he's up at AAA. He's only 23 years old. So that's something that I like to look for. Uh, he's, you know, a really good age for that, for that level. And uh, he has had some trouble adjusting to leagues. Last year when he got called up to AA, um, you know, he was the Florida State League MVP last year. And then he got called up to double A and slashed 253, 270, 389. So that wasn't very good. This year, he got called up to triple A and he was terrible at first. And then last week, which is his second week in triple A, he hit 400. He had five home runs and all of those home runs have come over his last four games. So that's someone I'm really keeping my eye on. The Rays are kind of in flux as far as their lineup goes. So he could be a guy that could impact fantasy teams this year. But as far as the lows go, I would say that he's the one that you want to own in fantasy. But his brother, Nate, is not far behind right now. He's doing really well. Uh, another guy that I'm keeping my eye on is uh, a recent promotion as well. His name's Roberto Ramos. Uh, he's on the Colorado Rocky system playing for the Hartford Yard Goats right now. He's awesome. And he's awesome, man. He won He yep. won the home run derby in, uh, in high A. And then he got called up to double A. And he hit two home runs in each of his first two games. So he's not done hitting home runs. No. Uh, you, you know, a lot of people are hyped on Suli Mateus this year because he has 24 home runs. Uh, Roberto Ramos has 21 in 63 games. He's hitting 314, 417 with a 690 slug. I mean, that is someone who is needs to be on radars all over the place. Yeah. And... Um, yeah, man, this week, uh, another one, Jordan Yamamoto, who was traded from the Brewers to the Marlins in that uh, the big Lewis Brinson deal this offseason. Lewis Brinson, Monty Harrison, Jordan Yamamoto went over to the Marlins. 
and kind of replenish their system. And this dude went seven innings, had 13 strikeouts and no walks this week, only five starts on the season, but he hasn't allowed more than two earned runs or five hits in any of those starts. So he's someone to watch. Definitely uh, had Garrett Whitlock in there this week. O'Neill Cruz, 6'7 shortstop for the Pittsburgh Pirates. They say he's a, a shortstop that's 6'7. 6'7 shortstop for the Pirates. <laughs> and they say he's a raw prospect, but he's slashing 318, 375, and 547 in the Sally. So I don't know how raw that sounds to you, but that sounds pretty decent to me. Yeah, I want to comment on your Roberto Ramos uh, deal because when he was playing with Lancaster, I went and saw them when they were in San Jose. And I went to see him with Real McCoy Baseball. We were watching the game. And um, I, I recorded with Lance Brezdowski a couple weeks later, and I was talking to him about this team. And I was just in awe because Ramos being one, he's he's kind of that outhouse or in-house guy. He doesn't usually hit for a big-time average, but he can, as you've seen so far this year. But he is just power after power after power. And they have a lot of that on that squad. Um, I forget who the little guy was. He got promoted like a week later. He's playing center field for – the yard goats now. Um, he's a quick little one. And then the ones that really caught my attention, though, is uh, Fernandez in the outfield. He was he made the pipeline team of the week back-to-back weeks. Uh, some good opposite field power. And the one that I want, I told Lance to look at, if you want to look into him, I told uh, Chris Welsh and some other prospect guys, Willie Abreu came out of Miami. This kid, if you, if you don't believe kids, believe in the um, – launch angle revolution now it's ridiculous he comes out before the game and there's the railing on the uh, the dugout he's taking swings where he arches it right above the railing so he doesn't hit it but everything's an uppercut and then he's tried to steal second and third all three times he was on base he hit a home run and he has a cannon in the outfield uh this abreu kid is going to be scary good but uh the moral of the story is the rockies are just loaded and that's not even to mention welker who's playing third base for them he's like their top third base prospect. So, um, yeah, I like this Robert Roberto Ramos comp that you put out there. Really good stuff there. Yeah, the Rockies are interesting. Garrett Hampson, too. I mean, they have a lot of interesting names, and that's not even mentioning Brandon Rogers at all. Like, uh, Oh, yeah, the, the main piece of the puzzle? That, yeah, I mean, the, the Rockies are a system that I think a lot of people overlook, but they have those deep names that are like, wow, they have something. Like you said, and I'm, I just looked up Willie Abreu, like, how do I not know this guy? He had 14 home runs and 40 stolen bases last year. And uh, yeah, I was, I was impressed this year. That is pretty insane for uh, how I, uh, well, he's 23. So he is a little old for the eight, for the, for the level, but he did have three years in the ACC, which is yeah, he came out of Miami. You know, it's, it's not the big 12 Kyler Murray. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, and, and, and this guy's got swag. He cut, he had a gold chain. He had his, oh. his uh, pants were rolled up to his knee. His pants were rolled up to his knee and didn't put them down until it was game time. Oh, this guy had swagger to him. That I was love good. That. I love that. Yeah, I, so. that's, I, I love that's why I love O'Neill Cruz too. Like you, 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 you shouted at the fact that he was a six seven shortstop. I implore you to just go look his picture up on milb.com. This dude is mean mugging in his picture, and I love it. And <laughs> I'm such a fan just based on that picture. It's weird what gets me into prospects, but it, sometimes it's something small. Sometimes it's something like seeing that you hit 14 home runs and stole 40 bases last year. How, how, do, how do we spell the first name again? O'Neal, O-N-E-I-L, oh. Cruz. Okay, I'm going to check this out as we speak. O'Neal Cruz, West Virginia. No gods, comma. In no Pittsburgh. Gods, 
Nope, we didn't. Oh, he is mean mugging in that picture. Oh, boy. Like, One of the eyes is barely open. Barely open. Yeah, he has the Forrest Whitaker uh, eye. If that's what I like to call it, is that's the Forrest Whitaker eye because it's his only one eye open, and the other one is kind of just looking deep into your soul. I love it. I love it. Well, Paul, I think that about wrap us up for tonight. Uh, with all your ventures you have going on, why don't you let everybody else know what you have coming up, what you're working on, kind of where they can find you these days. Yeah, so I always say the best place to find me is just Twitter at Paul the Martin. You know, I'm always on there. I'm, I'm always active. I'm tweeting about baseball mostly. And I love retweeting and favoriting all these prospect videos that I find out there. So if you're looking for prospect stuff, I might not be the one recording the video, but I'm trying to give you as much video as possible just from me looking up all these other guys. And then other than that, uh, Friends with Fantasy Benefits is where you can find the Real Fake Baseball podcast now. So make sure you subscribe to their uh, iTunes feed as well. Um, Pitcher List. Uh, prospects 1500 and Razball. I almost forget, but uh, Razball and pitchers and uh, no Razball and prospects 1500. I have pieces come out every week and pitcher list is a little bit more sporadic, but I want to get back on that a little bit more because Nick Pollock is a great guy and yeah. he really lets you write about what you like to write about. And I miss it a lot. So beautiful. Now he's got a great thing going over there. I really like, but uh, that whole product is going on. But uh, great work, as always. You have tons of good stuff out there and just great chatting with you. That's why I wanted to have you back on and talk baseball with you for a long, long time. But everybody, yeah, go check him out on Twitter at Paul the Martin and all of his great work. Uh, thanks for joining me, Paul. Thank you, Bubba. I had a pleasure, as always. All right, everybody. This is Bench with Bubba, episode 103. Catch you guys next time. <laughs>